I thought it was all Harley talk tonight. I'll allow. Since it's wrenching, I'll allow. I'll make an exception. It's time for Loud Pipes. The podcast that brings you the best conversations relating to motorcycles, the riding experience, and other motoring adventures. Here are your hosts for this episode, Rich Warfield, Rico Hogan, and John Maracle. Results are in, announcement of a future bike that we've been waiting for, and we've got a guest to welcome in. No no Hogan tonight. He got tied up a little bit earlier, so we're going to forge on with Brother John. How are you, buddy? Oh, well, I'm back from the north where it was miserable, cold, and snowy. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't usually use your first name. That ought to be strange. As you say, Mr. Miracle. Oh, yeah, okay. See that? Yeah. What you drinking on tonight, my friend? Well, I have reached in and pulled out one of the finest IPAs on the planet. And that would be Dogfish Head 60 Minute. Oh, mm-hmm. 60 Minute. I thought it was going to be the Voodoo Ranger. Mm-hmm. I thought from last week when uh, Brother Bacon was talking about it, you'd be running down there getting some. But I got a good one to talk about soon, and I'll we'll get to that next week. All right. All right, Johnny John. What are you drinking, John? I'm drinking a Yingling, my friend. Yingling, huh? Yeah. Very nice, very nice. So, so shall we bring our guest in for this week? We will. We have a guest, so we want to welcome Colin to the show. He's also known on YouTube as Bronco Ride, so Colin, welcome. How is everybody doing this fine evening? We are doing well. We're staying warm down here as much as I can. John can attest to how cold the studio can get in the winter. Yeah, that studio gets a little cold, but I'm up here in the loft of the house where all the heat comes, so I'm all nice and toasty. Everything runs uphill. Yeah, it does. All right. Colin, you have a beverage, my man. I do have a beverage. I'm enjoying some skunk beer tonight. My favorite. I love Heineken, so I'm imbibing one of those green beers. (laughs) They don't like to sit out in the light. They have to be refrigerated properly. Very tasty. Cool. So, yeah, so we brought Colin in to talk about Harley with us, but since he's also a motovlogger on YouTube, we want to talk a little bit about his channel and, and what he does. So why don't you give us a little background on what you're riding and, and what you talk about on your channel? Absolutely. Again, my name is Colin and I ride a 2017 Street Glide Special and then I have a YouTube channel and it is called Bronco Ride. The reason I have that name, I grew up in Denver. I'm a diehard football fan <laughs> and I'm a Broncos fan. So and I'm kind of anti-Patriots. So if you have either of you guys Patriots fans, I'm sorry. So I put the two together and there's my YouTube name. And, you know, and I tell so I tell people my name and they'll go up to me like, hey, man, are you are you like a cowboy? You like horses? And I'm like, nope, <laughs> never been on a horse except one or twice, once or twice. And my channel is pure hobby. I mean, I talk about really odd topics and yeah. And let's just put it that way. Like, I I think uh, my favorite one is when I talk about what it's like to be in a Victoria's Secret as a man. 
Um, conservative, but I did one on conservative and liberal GPSs, airline travel, travel and close talkers, stuff like that. Nice. I do some, ha- I do some how to videos. I, I mean, honestly, the reason I do it's pure hobby and I went in into it to meet people and, you know, cool story about this is like the first year we do this annual ride and a couple of, uh, you know, John and Rico, you know, I met them last year, actually rode with them. It was, uh, they call it the hoot nanny and this is going to be the third year doing it. And I met all those guys online. So like the first year we had nine people and I know you guys do a series of, um, group rides as well down by uh, North Carolina and never met any of these guys before, except online. And we all met up and last year, you know, the first year we went to North Carolina and last year we went to the Smoky Mountains and and uh, I had the privilege of riding with John through, uh, I think we went all the way to Virginia, North Carolina, Virginia. And we actually ended up doing a vlog about your Loud Pipes yep. uh, podcast. So it was pretty Thank cool. Thank you very much. So, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, John and Rico had to, like, kind of keep me up to date on what a podcast was. And <laughs> you were my first official podcast. It was pretty cool. So oh. like, we were sitting there pouring rain outside. I don't know if you remember that, John, at that barbecue restaurant. And Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we're sitting in there, and they're like, hey, you want to? join this podcast. I'm like, sure. And then, so we ended up talking about it and it was pretty cool. So that's how that's funny. I think, yeah, I think I have two podcasts now and you're one of them. So, well, but, but that's, um, yeah, I've been doing it for a couple of years. Just enjoy it. I was going to say though, the, the video is nice. You've got some pretty decent equipment. Talk about the stuff that you're using. I know you also have a drone that you shoot a little area. Yeah, yeah, I do. I use a couple GoPros. Um, you know, my main, my main is like a GoPro, uh, for, and then I use a GoPro five as well. And then I have like one of those little session cameras mm-hmm. and, um, and I bought one of those, uh, what the Mavics a couple years ago, about a year ago. And I love that thing. It's a lot of fun. I don't use it enough in the videos, but I, you know, I like the doing the photography, not even putting it on YouTube, just flying it around and yeah. spying on people. No, I really don't spy on people, but the, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a blast. Well, I don't know. I, I'll just, I'll disagree with that a little bit. I think you use it the right amount. I think, I think that's the kind of effect that can quickly get overdone. So I think you've sprinkled it in nicely, at least you know, the ones that I've had a chance to see. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I think I do it like once every four or five videos, maybe at that. Yeah. But I'm glad to be here finally. <laughs> yeah. It's taken us a little time to get this hooked up, but you know, it's cool to have you. And it was a great time meeting up with you guys on uh, last year. And, oh, blast. And, and I should, I haven't busted the news, but I won't be making this year's. Uh oh. Uh-oh. The Hootenanny? Yeah, we're, we're, uh, yeah, we're going up. We haven't actually figured out exactly where we're going yet. I know it's up north. So a couple of the guys want to go uh, New York range, like Vermont, New Hampshire. We haven't finalized everything yet, but I know it's north. We're not going south. To the people that are down south aren't too happy about that. But <laughs> I, I offered them a place to stay up here as a midway point because I live in Maryland. But yeah. we'll see. We'll see. It's a little bit of a ride, but I'm looking forward to it. We're doing it in July this year. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about your motorcycle, and this will lead us into kind of our biggest topic for tonight. So you're riding a, see if I get it right, you're currently riding a 16? Currently riding a 17. A 17. I, I had a 16. I've had a, kind of like a little history of my bikes. I started out with, a, I always tell this story, when I was, when I was young, my parents were kind of anti-riding, let's put it that way. But there was a good reason for it. 
uh, I have an older sister, and when she was um, probably around eight years old, and she's like three years older than me, she was uh, run over by a motorcycle, mm. and she actually almost died, but she didn't, obviously, and she's good to go now. But ever since then, my parents were anti-motorcycles, so growing up, you know, when you go through rebellious, rebellion teen years, you know, I, yeah. wanted a th- I wanted a three-wheeler. And this is before, you know, like the quads came out and the three-wheelers, you know, they were dangerous. This is all get out. And, you know, that went on for a year, just me whining and being a little punk. And, I, you know, obviously I didn't win. So I never ended up getting, a, you know, a ride. And I, I had to go ride some friends like dirt bikes and stuff. Fast forward about 20 years later. And then I ended up uh, riding a neighbor's. He had a, a V-Rod. This was around 2007, I believe, 2008. And I got on it and took it for a spin. And it was actually the first Harley I'd ever been on. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And I said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to go down to the dealership and, you know, I'm looking into buying a bike. So I ended up going down there, riding a couple and, uh, fell in love with the fat Bob and took it around. And I absolutely loved it. So I came home, told my wife, I'm like, listen, um, do you mind? I'm just going to go out and buy a bike. And she looked at me and she's like, uh, you're not a rider. <laughs> She's like, you're not a biker. And then after, you know, hours of conversation, we, she turned around and she says, okay, listen, I'll give you a bike. Or I'll let you buy one. If you let me have a pool. Oh, Swimming pool. oh, oh. And, yeah. So obviously she got the better deal of it because I fell, you know, I fell for it. And so she got a pool and I ended up getting a, a 2008 fat Bob and I, yeah, I loved it and I had fun with that. So it was about, uh, you know, eight years later, and uh, I was getting the bike's great for jumping around town, but once you get into those long rides, I did a couple long rides with them, and it starts to take its toll on you. All right, and well, so I wanted to, before we get back ahead. to your street glide, I, I gotta interject on the, the new one. So it's, mm-hmm. I have a long standing thing that I'm not particularly fond of the new Fat Bob, but I know you had a chance to ride that one. So, yep, when compare those two a little bit for us. Well, um, I loved it. And I actually, and a lot of people hate that thing, the way it looks. And I, I actually, it grew on me. When I first looked at it, I was like, what the hell is this? But then after getting close up to it and looking at it, it, it kind of grew on me. You know, I, and once they put the Milwaukee 8 engine in it, and I took it for a spin, um, you know, with the, you know, and, and remember, I was coming from a, a Street Glide special. So, you know, you're looking at probably 150, 200 pounds lighter with that new engine and it rode like a dream and I absolutely loved it. I had a blast riding that thing, even though if it was only for like a 15 mile, you know, you know, circle around the dealership, it was a blast. So, so nothing like the, nothing like the old Dyna platform. Nothing like, sure. No, absolutely. Cause that was a 96 is what I had. And then you get on that and it was just night and day. Absolutely loved it. So I always tell people, and you know, if you haven't had a chance, even if you can get over the looks of it, get on it. And, um, wow. Yeah, that's, that's all I can say. I really, really enjoyed it. Really well, that was the 114 it. too. So you really, that was, yeah, I had the 114. I didn't ride the 107. Yeah. And then that believe it was the, God, I'm trying to turn, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on the color, what it was, but they had the, uh, they only had one in stock and I think they just got in like the day before. I'm like, what well, do you mind if I just take this for a quick spin real quick? I know you just the, got this, but yeah, um, I know you just got this, but I mean, I'm going to throw on the camera and do a test ride of it. And, yeah, it, it was great. Thoroughly, if you haven't awesome. had a chance to, I'd recommend getting on one. And not just the, you know, all those um, new soft, soft tails. Yeah. They, they did, you know, it was, it's some, a serious upgrade when they put that engine in there. So that's, I think that's your biggest motivation. So you started with a, a well, you got a 16 Street Glide. That was also a special? 
Yep, I started. And then, well, the whole reason was I wanted to do kind of longer trips. And, you know, it was good is because my wife never really wanted to ride with me. And then all of a sudden she started showing interest. And as soon as she did that, I pounced on it. I was like, well, yeah, I guess I need to get an upgrade. Then I need to get a bigger bike. And uh, I went in and uh, did a test ride of the a couple bikes. I, I took out the road glide and then I took out the street glide. And I like the bat wing. Uh, it's just I know it's personal preference. But once I once I got on it, it felt really good for me. And this was again, this was a 16. That didn't and put come, a lot of sorry, that didn't come with a larger pool, did it? Because you got the bigger bike. <laughs> no, she stuck with the pool. I'm not getting her a larger freaking pool. So <laughs> seriously, she needed a diving board, right? No diving board. No, I mean, I was, like, well, I was like, we don't need <laughs> yeah, cabana boy too. No, we um, just just a pool, because she she was like, well, can we get this this? I'm like, well, can I get a bigger bike? And yeah, that shut that down real quick. So she, uh, but she still has the pool to this day, and and I use it. So, but she got the better deal out of it, unfortunately, you know. But we um, but I ended up taking the, you know, once I got the 16 and I got on it, and then I um, loved it, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And again, this was the uh, 103, you know, the 16. It's just stock. I didn't put a lot, you know, I didn't upgrade it or anything. Just put some uh, pipes on it, but that's about it. And uh, put a lot of miles on her. Absolutely loved it. And that was uh, the first time, uh, you know, when I did a huge long ride, and that was to uh, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, I had a blast on it. And then what happened was about six months later, you know, you start saying, well, Harley's coming out with these new uh, Milwaukee 8s. And a couple of my friends that jumped on it and and then they t- raved about it, said how cool it was. It was a great bike and, you know, telling me all the benefits. So I'm like, oh, you know, what the hell? I just bought this, you know, whatever, it's eight months ago. I figure, what's it going to hurt to take a demo ride? And, you know, I just want to see it. So, of course, I go down there and that was a big mistake. So I took a, I took a ride on it and a uh, night and day difference. You know, mm-hmm. and, I, and I didn't really think it would be that big of a difference for me. You know, and then it's, it's I mean, the, the things that really stood out for me, I mean, there's like four or five things. I mean, I'm sure you guys have read about them, but the, the biggest thing that kind of stood out for me. And now I have a and John knows this when we were riding together, I kind of have a back issue. So unfortunately, just, even just a little one, just a little one. So um, my I uh, torqued my tailbone several years ago and it kind of never recorded. If you've ever had a tailbone injury for anybody, it's there's it's. He really pretty is not painful. a cure. It's pretty painful, and there's really nothing you could do unless I want to wear one of those big pillows, you know, around my butt <laughs> or around my back all the time when I'm riding. I don't think that would really be a good look. So instead of that, uh, you know, I have to stop like every 60, 70 miles, even with the new bikes. And sorry, John, I mean, he made you keep stopping every. Yeah, he doesn't like to stop until the thing's yeah, coughing, running out of fuel. You were very nice about it. But anyway, um, <laughs> once hey, I. Hey, it was, it was no problem. I didn't mind. Well, that's good. I hope you didn't. At least you didn't. You didn't tell me. I'm sure. As soon as I left, you're like, thank God. Oh, no. Right away. It was probably good because it was a hot day coming back. Hmm. It was (laughs) hot that day. I remember that. But, um, so it wasn't just, it wasn't just engine though that they got you to upgrade. I think what, what I really, what helped me, especially with my, with, you know, with my back and everything was the suspension. I felt a big difference in that. You know, and I know a lot of people might disagree with me on this. Like they get in and they say, well, the suspension isn't that big of a deal. I mean, like I didn't see, you know, some people say, oh, I didn't see a big difference. I still have the air shocks and they're better than, you know, the preloads that have like that 15, 30 percent, you know, preload on the back. And then they got the Showa on the front. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it made a big difference to me, you know, and I felt it. And I did. I intentionally kind of tried to ride rough roads to see. and, And that was kind of a selling point for me. 
And then the, the other thing was the torque difference. You know, and when I when I took it out, I got a chance to go at kind of a you know a higher rate. And what I you know it wasn't even the lowered torque. It was once you probably started getting into like uh, the 55, 60 miles an hour range, you just hit the throttle and you'd roll. And on the 16, while well, it did good, but like just to see the difference, you know, when you you know when you had the the twin cam on the 16 compared to the Milwaukee eight, I saw a big difference just on that higher end torque. Uh, the suspension, I mean, the, the other key things that, you know, were good selling points that you notice a difference. And I especially noticed, not right on the, on the demo ride, but I noticed it when we did long rides is the, you don't get a lot of heat from it. So whereas before, you know, you'd go on, especially in hot days on that mm-hmm. 16, you know, on the twin cam, you would radiate so much heat between your legs and they reduce that a ton with the 17s. And then there's other things like they reduce the, um, you know, a lot of Harley enthusiasts don't like this, how they reduce the rumble, you know, like when you have the Harley shake when you're sitting at a stop and your old friggin' body's shaking. Well, that's, um, as a soft yeah, rider, I don't, I don't need it. <laughs> yeah, you don't need it. I mean, it's, I don't get it on mine. So it's, not it's a Harley style, but you know, but when you, they really reduce that tremendously. So it doesn't shake nearly as much. I mean, you still have some shake, but not nearly as much. I mean, there's some other things like I've noticed. I mean, Nothing significant. You have a little, you know, because of the engine, it's more refined. You're getting better gas mileage. It's more efficient. I mean, when I say better gas mileage, like right now, I'm probably getting 39 and 40. And then I probably got like around 36, 37 on the 16. So it wasn't like a huge difference. So if you if you think like two miles extra is going to make a difference. And and actually the 13 and 14, you know, in the Rushmore's, if I remember right, those were around 40, 41. So it's pretty similar to like the 14. So it's not yeah. a huge deal. I'm curious when you, so after, so you had a 16 and you got rid of it after only eight months. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how you did on the resale. I actually did very well. Okay. I ended up only having to pay $20 more a month. You know, I, I got a really good deal with them and they worked with me. So I was like, Hey, 20 bucks more a month. I can't complain. You know, I, I, I got a really good deal from the, mm. from the dealer I, from that I work with, which is, um, her name's all American. So at the end of the day, I, you know, I figured, Hey, I'm getting a, you know, much better engine for 20 bucks more a month. Why say no? Right. Added a year to my financing, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm pretty pleased with it. And I've been on that ever since. So I've had that ever since. And I'm, and I'm not planning on doing any more upgrades. So I'm planning on sticking, you know, like uh, hopefully they don't come out with a new engine in 19 or something. And then, well, let me try going for demo ride. No, I'm done. I think it's going to be a while. Yeah. yeah, I think it's going to be a while too, but that's basically the history of my bikes and, and how I came about. And then I just started my YouTube channel a couple of years ago and that's me. Very nice. Very nice. Now, now here's the question. Since you, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the show when I met you at the Nanny was because you went from the 16 to 17 and that was, you covered that why it was upgrade. And now you even rode the 18 on the demo ride, correct? Yep. Yeah. The there, eight, there's, there's the engine. Everything's the same. I mean, from a engine standpoint, they didn't really do anything to the engine. What they did is they just raised the price. Um, they, um, Oh, sorry. Yeah. They just <laughs> tell me, come forward. You're All you get is just a giant echo when you sit that far back. Thank you. <laughs> um, they're only the biggest difference between the 17 and 18, you know, with the and the 17s, they had street glide special it was all one bike, mm-hmm. you know, whereas the 18s now they broke it down between street glide and street glide special and the street glide. If 
I might be off on this, but I believe it's 21,000. And that's for the base. That's just like the Street Glide Special of 17. So that's the one that's all chromed out. Um, but what it doesn't have that the 17 had was it doesn't have the infotainment, the boom system. Right. And I believe it didn't have the ABS on it either. And what it does, so what, and what I paid for, I think it was around 22,023. So the street glide dropped in price, but you lost that boom yeah. and infotainment, which I believe is normally like 1,500, 2,000 anyway. But the and special the, now, I think you said you rode to 18. The special now yeah, actually wrote, is more special. Now the special extended bags, black yeah, trim. Yeah, both models have the extended bags. They just like angle them down so you have a little bit more space. But cosmetically, the the biggest difference is they're blacked out. Mm -hmm. So the bike is and it. I tell you what, it's. I mean, <laughs> I saw that it, it is a sweet looking ride. It really is because I've the bike I rode was uh, the color was called white Bonneville flats. If I remember, my memory serves me. And you know the contrast between the white and the black biggest issue is that you know in my opinion it's a little pricey you know it's 26.5 for that bike now you get you get the full infotainment system you get abs it's the same thing as a 17 but what you're paying for is you're paying for that blacked out look you know so if you do it you know if you know where the people were doing it when in 17 and blacking it out it's probably going to cost pretty close to what you are paying just straight up because blacking out product you know especially harley um, you're going to pay a lot of money. So that's, that's what you get for the 18 for the street glide special is the entire blacked out look, you know, and then the same thing as this, but engine wise, exact same thing. Nothing changed. Exact same thing. Yeah, you're right. Five, it's a five grand split. So it's, it's 26, 20,999 for the street glide and 25,999 for the special. Yeah. And I think the 21,000 or 2999 is for vivid black. And then if you get a color, it's $500 more. Yep. So you're paying a little bit more for the color. But if you, the street glide special, yeah, it's 26.5 straight up. But it is, it is a beautiful bike though. It is beautiful, but I don't know if it's beautiful for 26.5. Yeah. I don't know if it's 26. Nice. I mean, my, my favorite in the lineup right now is probably the road King special and that's yeah, that 22, is. but th that's just so well done. It is. The only thing that kills me with that bike is that. I would want the detachable windshield for long trips and you're going to have to pay extra for it. So it's like, damn, it's like 18, nine for the base road King. And now I have to pay more for the windshield, <laughs> but that's, that's yeah. The road King special. That is, that's the money right there. That is a beautiful bike. That is a beautiful bike. All right. Well, John, we didn't fire the topic, so maybe we'll do that now. Your topics. We missed it. Okay, that's not a Milwaukee 8, but still sounds pretty good. <laughs> so we'll consider that the, the world's longest intro, and now we'll get into our topic. So Harley has some news going on. Of course, their quarterly and year-end results are out. And we could say, you know, slightly down in sales, slightly down, you know, across the board, as was most of the industry. You know, say for Polaris, they said their Indian and Slingshot sales were, were up. Again, so the but the other big news that we want to get into that came out at, at this announcement was first the closing of Kansas City. So the Kansas City final assembly plant looks like that's going to be closed and they're going to consolidate 
final assembly into York by York PA, which is a very cool place. You ever been, Colin? You ever taken? I have been there. Actually, I took a tour a couple of years ago there. I mean, the, the town itself, uh, but the, not the a factories, lot yeah. not a lot there. I mean, they've got a, yeah, it's York, Pennsylvania. Nothing to write home about, but if you're from York, I apologize if I offend anybody. But it, the factory itself, uh, we took that, uh, oh God, I can't think of the name of it. It's like the Steel Toe Tour, I think it is. Yep, that's they, what I did. They, yeah. yeah, and then they, and that, and the, the tour itself was phenomenal. Really enjoyed it, getting in there and seeing how they fabricate, you know, like the tanks when you first come in, and then you walk around and they show you the different bikes and kind of, you know, I know at the time, you know, now obviously in 2019 when they transfer over, they'll make all the soft tail models there. But right now it's just the touring models, the trikes. So that's a, yeah, sorry, that that's a detail that I wasn't sure on. So did they not move the soft tail line to Kansas city like a year or two ago? Yeah, I think they did. Yeah. It was, they opened it up, I believe eight, nine years ago, if I'm not mistaken, with uh, that factory in Kansas City. I might be off on that. But then they make all the soft tails there and the Sportsters and the streets and all the yeah, only sp- thing they don't. Sportster and street has always been there, but I think the soft tail move was, was fairly recent yeah, because a, yeah. they were traditionally built in York as well with the touring bikes and all the, all the CVOs were done in, in York as well from what I yep. understand. Yep. But it it, it was a... Well worth it. Well worth it to take the trip and kind of see how they how they're made. Yeah. So I've I've got a, a not real. I don't say an opinion, but I have a suspicion on some other stuff that's going on here. And we talked about that earlier this week in our clubhouse. And I'm thinking some of this move obviously is consolidation. They're trying to you know get the right size of manufacturing for the for the market and things like that. So I can I can appreciate and understand that part. But I think there are some larger moves here being played, you know, more like if you think of it as like a larger chess game. So we've been speculating that there will possibly be a new Sportster platform next year is one of our, kind of one of our predictions. So why not set the new tooling and everything up in York, which was upgraded more recent than Kansas City, a little more advanced, set all your tooling up there. And then as you're, as you're shrinking it anyway, you just move that north, essentially, east and north. Well, that's actually one one of the things they talked about was the York location was a better investment and quicker turnaround mm-hmm. than the Kansas City to get that where they can invest in more infrastructure, so to speak, and add more. Yeah. You know, obviously they're going to have to expand that, you know, that factory a lot just to take in all the other bikes. But I know that was one of the reasons they talked about it. So that also leaves us wondering. Does the street move to York? Well, obviously it would, but, or would they just make all of those overseas and just, just bring back the ones to the U S that they plan to sell here? Cause that's essentially a, a world bike. You know, they plan to sell that. If, if you listen to the investor call from this year, but I'd say even more last year, they were really looking for global reach into Asia. And I think that's going to be done more with the street than it's going to be with big bikes. And Harley's goal, they have, you read about that 10-year plan they have, you know, where they, one of their milestones they want to reach is to get 50% of their market share of their company international yeah. within 10 years. And it's a little less than 40 still, 36, yeah. 38. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, a, that's, that's an interesting play too. So I was also wondering if, 
you know, shutter in Kansas City means the street just gets made in Thailand or wherever they opened that new plant and the sports are just moves up to, up to York on a new platform. Yay. That's what we're looking forward to. <laughs> that's the happy part of the message is I'm hoping that part of this move is there's a new platform coming for the sportster and an engine would be nice. So what's your guys's take about everybody saying that Harley cannot sell to millennials? Uh, I don't know. I don't know too many millennials firsthand. John? A lot of people you ride with are much younger than I am. Yeah. They are more into the... It's price. Yeah, I think price is a big one. I think for anyone that's young, price is a big one. So, I mean, they can go down. I mean, a lot of these guys I ride with ride sport bikes or naked sport bikes. There's very few cruisers, sport tours. And when you sit down and you're going to throw down $20,000 on somebody young, that's a chunk of change when they can go down and buy a 650, yeah. 750 for less than 10. And yeah. you're going to have the performance. Yeah. And I'm not sure the street, I'm not sure the street is the bike to do it. At least not in the U S I think they need something. I think there needs to be a whole nother platform to fit that need. You know, sports, there's not for everyone. Not everyone wants the, you know, that old school rumble. That's, that's not a balanced bike. So I don't know. I'm just not sure. I you think know, if, if going back and we've talked about this, if Buell was still around and they had a bike like Buell, they might, might be, be selling yeah. more. So if you came up with a bike, that's kind of a sport bike for 10, less than 10 grand. Yeah. And get away from the big V twin. You know, I guess my so, thing is like you said, John, the price. That's probably the whole thing. I don't think it really has much to do with the bike. I think, I think um, younger people probably have some interest in those bikes. I think it's just purely price. But here, here's, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go down a business route here if it's okay with you guys. The <laughs> I, I look at it this way. So like right now, everybody's saying, oh, Harley needs to drop the price two or three thousand dollars, and they're probably right. But can Harley actually do that? So in other words, right now, if you look at can they afford to do it is what you're saying. Well, can they afford to do it? Like right now, the margin on a last year for Harley, and that includes your bikes, that includes your apparel, that includes your parts and accessories, and it averages, but I think last year was 33%. But over the last couple of years, they've averaged anywhere from 30 to at a high, I believe it was 40% a couple of years ago, but mainly it's around that 35% mark. So let's just say right now, I'll just take a $20,000 bike. So if they have a 20, and let's just say 30% margin. So if that basically means that they paid 14,000 cost for that bike. So they're only making 6,000 on that bike. Now, if they drop the price, let's say to 18,000 or whatever. So instead of now 6,000, they're making $4,000 a bike. Obviously, the more sales you're going to do will generate more profit. But if they do that, they're not going to come anywhere near what they're trying to do by dropping the price unless they streamline their expenses in other ways. So hence, think about it. They just closed this plant. And and unfortunately, with all those people losing their job, one of the number one expenses is payroll. So so they're going to save a ton of money on payroll, even though they're hiring 400 to 450 new people in York, but they're, you know, they're leaving 800 people. They're not going to pay the taxes or the land or anything of that 
you know, the Kansas City plant. Now they're all going to New York. So they're going to save a lot of expenses. I think what they said is anywhere from 50 to 65 million dollars that they'll gain back in 2020. It's going to be a huge chunk or a huge charge. This year, next year, I'd have to pay for this to get out of to get out of actually Kansas City. But honestly, they need to pretty, pretty much figure out how they're going to streamline their efficiency and their actual factories mm-hmm. to lower the price of the cost of a bike. You know, I mean, it, and that's hard to do. That's actually really hard to do. I mean, I'm not an expert on how much it costs to make a bike, but I know, you know, there's raw materials and steel and everything and plastic. So you can't really control that. But just overall, and how are a- they going to? Yeah, and it's a premium bike too. So we're not. It is a premium bike. They're not. Um, they're not interested in. It's. It's a little bit like, you know, the way Apple makes their products. They're not interested in the budget motorcycle. I mean, they they want a lower cost Harley for people to be able to buy, but that bike is still. They still want it to be a premium product, even in, in its segment. They do, and it's like they can't have the model. Like Amazon has a model right now where they could really care less so well they could they care about it but margin is very low in amazon and they've been that way since they've actually started their goal is to drive market share as high as they can and because the more people you have and the more sales it's eventually going to pay off and look at them now you know they're freaking taking over the world but i mean it's harley can't go that route and just focus purely on not taking out that margin piece because they have to make profit. But the only way they're really going to do that is if they um, probably streamline their efficiency in their new factories and kind of automation. And, you know, their goal, you know, if you read that, what you were talking about earlier, Rich, their goal was to get 2 million more riders in the next 10 years. Yeah. In the U S in the U S yes. And then they want to do, um, I think they're going to come out with a hundred new models in 10 years. I mean, right now they're pretty saturated. I mean, they've got a lot of bikes out there. Now they're going to come out with a hundred more. And then obviously, I mean, you've done this because you've rode it, you know, in 2019, they're going to, or 2020, they're going to come out with uh, the live wire, the electric bike. You know, I mean, that's what they said. I think 18 what, 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 months. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. What, what, what is, it, is that, that news, Rich? Is that news? That was part of the, the uh, results call. Yeah. As they announced that the live wire would be would be out in eighteen months, so that would make it. We talked before the show in our little pre-show. It was what that'd be make it a twenty twenty bike. So in other words, you and Brother Zion are going to be going down buying some live wires because you've been. It's going to be time to put up or shut up. I think in about a yeah, year. Yeah, that's and a half what it's going to be. You know, YouTuber. <laughs> they didn't want to hear. Oh, 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 I'm a, mm. No, it's now that now that they've. They've put an official stake in the ground. Now it's time for me to really consider, okay, I, I still want the live wire. Where does it go in the stable? And keeping in mind that I still want something for longer, longer range trips. That's more comfortable. So, Well, now you have to have a little generator in the back so you can charge your, charge yeah, your live wire. Okay. <laughs> so then you can go long range. How cool would that be if you fitted like an old knucklehead to the back of your live wire just so you could charge it? <laughs> now there's a marketing idea for Harley. They need to make like all the old engines, like scale them down so that they're like tiny little generators. So you can leave them run next to your live wire and charge it up. Huh? Huh? No. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, 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 so we kind of cut Colin off, got him all quiet over here. He was on a roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about. Yeah. I kind of went off on a tangent with business, but the, um, 
you know, I guess the question is, how are they going to increase sales with the price the way they is, you know, with, with the way they are right now? And, you know, even though, like, you know, a couple of the major motorcycle, I mean, Harley's got, what, 50% of the market share right now in the U.S. And then there's a couple of the smaller makers that are posting positive, you know, comparisons to last year in sales. But Harley has taken the last four years some significant drops on comp sales compared to last year. Yeah. You know, they're, you know, if you think about it, their mix itself, you know, 40 to 45% of their mix are touring bikes. And then like 30%, I'm, you know, rough guess or cruisers and the rest are the street and your uh, sporties that is, you know, makes up the rest of their product mix. Knowing that the baby boomer generation has stopped, you know, that's declining the most and that's their highest product mix. How are they going to drive that cruiser market? How are they going to drive that? You know, like you were talking about earlier about the street of the sport to get to that younger buyer. That's their biggest issue is, you know, their buyer, you know, it's, it's, you know, the people that were buying them 10 years ago when they were through the roof and they were doing double digit growth, <laughs> <laughs> they've kind of stopped and they're buying, you know, used bikes or they're buying trikes or whatever, cause they're too old. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's the question is how are they going to get out there and market themselves? You know, when I bought a Harley, I didn't think, okay, I'm going to get all tatted up, grow a beard, go to hog rallies. You know, I just like to ride and <laughs> got out there and, you know, I mean, it's, so it's like, how are they going to get that younger when honestly a lot of the younger guys don't really want to ride them. Plus, and it, it has a lot to do with the price and, you know, what John was saying earlier, it's, that's my take from a business standpoint. I kind of went off on a tangent there. Well, I think, no, I think another to... thing. Yeah, go ahead, John. No, go ahead. I was just going to say from a, a business standpoint, now the making the street outside of the U.S. makes even more sense. If that's a bike that you're going to use, or if that's a platform you're going to use to entice younger riders, then you make it outside the U.S. for less, and then you bring it, you bring it back. Bring it back and sell it here. But don't make it here. I mean, as hard as that is to say, because I like that Harleys are assembled here. I realize it's a world bike. Parts are sourced from all over the place, but they are assembled here. I like that. You know, I would hate to see that transition, but they're going to be making them in another country anyway. So why not take full advantage of that and then just bring them back to the U.S.? The bike that you're planning to, to push your, your world market with, just make that elsewhere. That's just, that was my thought there. You know, just what you said, Colin, you've got to get the price down somewhere. You know, where is the price change going to come from? If you're going to keep it a premium product, you're going to keep your quality fit and finish and all that, something else has got to go and that only leaves labor. Correct. And, you know, Harley's out there, you know, and I can say, as I said many times on the show, that I preach about it's all Harley, everything's out there is Harley. But they do... Like we talked about, you guys talked about last week with the Rider Edge program for new riders, getting riders on Harleys and the marketing and how you can go down to a Harley dealership and ride a bike. And you can't do that with other dealerships. And that's, I think, where Harley's nailing it. Now, if they came out with something that would, as Colin asked, how to get millennials in there, you got to get something with a little sport, more little, get rid of the V20, come up with like a V4, you know, or an inline four, I should say. Something sporty or a nice little with a nice little triple. I think Brother Bacon said that. Yeah, a triple in the sporty. Come up with a triple. Make it so it's more where you compete with the. I wouldn't say a, a naked sport bike like the CBR 650 that 
Omega has or, you know, the GSX S750 that a couple guys have. Yeah. Make a naked like the Buell. Make it a naked sport bike, and you're going to see more people. You're going to get the guys in there because they want, unfortunately, they want the, the throw, the power to take off. And you don't get it on the big bagger. And yeah, and in those in that class of motorcycle, power is cheap to buy. Right. And you don't want to run around with a 900-pound bike. Yeah. So the weight they is one the thing. Four or yeah, 500-pound bike. Yeah. So if, that's, if you want to talk about what Harley needs to do, and maybe that's one of the plans for one of their 100 models. Maybe one of them in there would be attractive to well, hey, millennial they're, riders. They're going to make a new bike and make different trims of that bike as I call it. Well, we'll see. They have some good plans. I, I made a big mistake last night and I, I don't mind sharing this, but I wanted to listen to the investor call for this year. So I go online and I spool it up. And I was like, Oh, it's a nice video. Look at this. And it's like, Oh, it's three hours long. So I get about an hour and a half into it. And I look at the date and it says January 16th, 2017. Or something like I forget what the date was, but it said 2017, and I was like, "Huh, that was last year." <laughs> oh, so I spent an hour <laughs> watching last year's news. <laughs> nice. So then I had to stay up another hour to listen to the one from this year. I was like, "Oh, that's funny and ridiculous, but funny." So, well, a lot of people I don't think they're realizing, even though they they missed their fourth quarter, but that what heard him was the um that recall yeah last year and then that tax hit that they took which what was saying 90 percent i mean that's why it showed like it was i think overall 80 percent drop but if you look at yeah from a year to year standpoint it's well it's not good it's not 90 percent for the fourth i don't understand that accounting part uh, even though i did go to college for accounting i don't under, really understand how you can push heavy into your tax for this year because you know a break is coming next year. It just makes the financials look weird because I'm pretty sure I read the effective tax rate was over 90%, something like that yeah. for the quarter. Yep. And I'm like, what, what? how does that help you? I don't understand. The CFO's smoking something. And, but they're all doing it. If you look at yep. the results from Polaris, they, they took the same hit in the fourth quarter so for tax and they call it out as you know restructuring for the, for the deduction that's coming next year. Yeah, next year they're... Reduction, not deduction. Yeah, they're going to be around 25% for the their corporate tax, so that's going to be a significant improvement. Yeah. Uh, just a side note, and we're not going to get political at all, but I really think it's funny to see a lot of these CEOs, they get interviewed, and it's like, hey, what do you think about that tax rate for next year? And they love it, but they're like, they hate to say it. <laughs> they hate to say that they love it. <laughs> they're like, oh, we... So just want to kick this guy in the chin, but <laughs> I, I've seen several interviews in the past couple of weeks on TV and it's just funny to watch them grimace and have to say like, yeah, we're enjoying this tax break. Damn it. <laughs> Just to make a ton of money off. It's just kind of funny. So that's it. That's as far as I'm going to go with it. Uh, let's see what else was in the news. Um, is it worth talking about Polaris results at all? They're still... They're still growing like crazy with Indian. They're still a small piece of the market, but they are still growing. That's good for them. They're washing out their charges from getting rid of victory, and I guess things are looking on the up and up for Polaris. 
Yeah, Indian was looking pretty solid, like their growth. But where what were they hurting on their off road, if I'm not mistaken? I think they're off road. I think we're both yep. down. That's kind of what brought them down. Yep. But the interesting thing when you look at the numbers, and I'm not going to quote any numbers because I'll be wrong. So, but I'll just say that if, when you look at the total sales, when they report for motorcycles, that includes Indian and Slingshot, and it includes all the parts and accessories and things like that. It's still pretty small when you look at Harley's number for even for the quarter. You're like, ah, that's still pretty damn big. You know, and they're still nearly 51% of the market. So that's still pretty big. So declining, you know, things are going down, but they're still big. And I guess they've got a lot of resources to try and make it right. We shall see what's going to happen in the future. Indeed. I'm happy with my bike. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy with mine. It's a 10 year old, almost 11 year old bike. And I still smile every time I ride it. There you I'm go. happy with mine. John's happy with his. How many miles have you got on the new bike yet? I didn't think we were talking about anything else but Harley tonight. Oh, yeah. Next week, John. Sorry, Sorry, next Sorry week. John. <laughs> <laughs> Just fall out of his chair. <laughs> Just remember that when you need something, they're rich. Yeah, but you've got you have this tiny little frunk now. You can't carry anything other than a, a flask. Uh, not after next week. Oh, okay. You're going to get that tuned up. Sure am. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do with my... My summer and fall trip, I guess UPS, UPS store will be my friend. What? You got a bag? I got a bag on the back. I got some ideas. Fit it a little better than, than I have been. But we'll see. All right. Anything else we want to talk about on Harley News or you guys want to move into the U-turn? What do you got there? Onward. Oh, you got the bag already. What is that thing? That's a bag I already had. Cry again. Oh, that's the one you had on the back? Yeah. That's what you need. That looks a lot bigger than the one you had. Is that oh, because it's unrolled, not have stuff in it. Uh, but it looked short when you had it on the bike. It only looked like it was about a foot and a half long. Yeah, because it rolled up on the end. That's what I said. It's unrolled. That's why it looks so big. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a moment and recognize the people that make this show possible, and we thank the Riders of Loud Pipes for their continued support. First five riders that would be Marcus. Rickard, Edward, Jebby, and Zion. And before I get too much farther, we had our monthly hangout on Sunday. Such a blast. The guys from Sweden were back. They'd been to bike shows and all over the world. So we had a good update. And I think we had, I don't know, six guys or so in the hangout on Sunday. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. All right. Slack pack is Chuck, Nobby Tire, Old Man Slacker, Shut Up and Ride Mike, and Squatchy Pete. We've got Steve, Mike, Kenny, Dangerous Dave, Chad, and James make up the Riders Group. Darren and the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast are the insiders. If you're not a member of the Riders of Loud Pipes, please visit loudpipes.net slash donate. Take a look at the support levels we have to offer. There's also a link there for one-time donations, and anyone who sends in a single donation, $50 or more, will also send you a t-shirt. You turn. little follow-up from the last episode had a lot of fun with brother bacon talking about riding new rider training a little more we got into some gear sorry john i know it's near and dear to your heart <laughs> just just a little he's like yeah whatever i i have a few comments yeah we'll add them in let's 
So I want to give a little update. So Ted from the Motorcycle Man reached out, and he had some some things he wanted to add. And the first one is a direct call to Brother Bacon. And this is something called split finger or lobster gloves. So I sent him the link earlier, and this is the exact gloves he was talking about. So it's like three-finger gloves where you have two fingers together plus separate for your thumb. Exactly what he wanted. You awake, John? Yeah. Sorry, am I keeping you up? No, 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 no. So my only complaint that I would say about this is that is the glove. Well, let me look at it real quick. Lobster gloves. Let me send it to Colin so he can see. Yeah, I got to see these. The, the thing that I would say is that the more designed for, you know, bicycle, low speeds, they're not really going to protect you on a motorcycle. I don't think that's my opinion. Yeah, not for abrasion. We we were looking for warmth, though. That was the main thing. Right. So, what I, I mean, that's, yes. That's that's kind of one of those things. Yeah, you're spot on. That's all it would be good for. They're, they're not going to, you know, in a slide, they're going to just tear right apart. You could tell that. So, maybe, maybe the best thing to do is make sure that you have a mm. nice pair, of, you get them bigger, and then you still could wear maybe a pair of summer gloves underneath them. To protect case you wreck. Looks like a mitten that wears skiing. <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> I've tried to wear skiing gloves before on a motorcycle. It's, it doesn't really work out. No, it doesn't. They're a little too bulky. Um, some other things that Ted wanted to point out was some Kevlar riding pants from the Tobacco Motorwear Company. So he wanted us to check that out. And actually, he had the owner Dave on his show before. So check that out as well if you're interested. Uh, let's see. The other thing is he had a Kevlar riding shirt from the same company, Tobacco Motor Wear. So wanted us to check that out. And the boots, which he said were as comfortable as freaking slippers. <laughs> so, yeah, appreciate that, Ted. Thank you. And, you know, check him out, MotorcycleMan.us. All right, John, you had other gear comments. Sorry, I don't want to take that away from you. That's your baby. <laughs> no, my baby. I mean... You've hit it on the head. I mean, I think you guys did a good job. I think um, the helmet is, is, as you guys hit, I think it's important as a new person, unless you have a lot of training, a lot of skill, and you, I mean, to know what you're doing. And I know I recommend you think about, we throw out, oh, show you 1200 that's, you know, five $600 for a helmet. For a new rider, that's a lot. They think, oh, that's a lot of money. But like you've experienced and you said was you've noticed a world of a difference. Yeah, it was, it, it made a big difference in not just comfort. So comfort of the helmet itself, but um, comfort in terms of the wind. Like I said, it cuts through the wind better and it, I think it enhanced my ride overall, not distracting at all. And I, and I never used to like a full, full face helmet. You know, I was a half helmet guy most of my rides. So Right, and and I think, like you said, you might need smaller cheek pads. I think um, I do. on that little, little thing, I think you'll probably have 35s. Smaller cheek and, pads or thinner cheeks? I'm not sure which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, that's a lot of, it's a lot of money for those helmets. And there's other helmets out there you can get for, but I really enjoy the showy and what they have to offer. I've had an HJC, you know, middle of the line, and I've had it for three years, and I absolutely love it. 
but I've always yeah. wanted to look at a you know higher end helmet. But you know, I'm I'm very pleased with it's a basic helmet, but it does the job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people that run HJCs and they're happy with them. Um, it's it's one of those. What do you want? What do you feel comfortable yep. with? In my book, and it's yep. not everybody. I mean, I don't want to sit here and says you must wear this. No, wear what you feel comfortable with. Yeah. Like I was picking on you earlier about you said uh, gloves are important because that's second, and that's what I was told in class was glo- your gloves are second most important thing. Like you said, when you go down after your helmet, that's what yeah. that's what you're going to hit with first. And wearing gloves is important, Rich. What? <laughs> I, I only don't wear them when it's just unbearably hot and I just can't stand it anymore. Yeah. And that, that just gets back to my distraction thing. If I'm distracted, yeah. uh, that's, that's more of a hindrance. I went Count. through my, I went through my state. I mean, even you probably saw this last summer. I went for a while without wearing gloves on that entire trip. And then I was, and then I got severely scolded by a couple people. And I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. I should wear gloves more. So now I've, I keep them on all the time. But yeah, when it's like 100 degrees out, I'm like, oh. The thing is, as long as you understand the risk of what's going to happen. Absolutely. The other people just need to back off. As much as I sit here and tell you, I'm picking on Rich. Yeah. I care for him. But. No, but you're totally right. Some people just get a little too cranked up about that stuff. You know, I'm not here to tell you this is the way and what I do. It's what I, I agree with you. It's comfort. And I do the same thing. What I wear is comfort. Now, today I rode, and I didn't wear my riding pants. I just wore regular jeans today. Now, maybe what I need, you know, instead of just ditching the gloves, maybe I just need a set of Venta gloves for the summer. Right. You know, maybe that's, you that's the approach. Yeah. And then, and then the next thing you can throw out, and, and Brother Bacon threw it in, in the chat here tonight, and I thought about it before he said it, was um, the airbag vest. Oh, the, that, he, the Helite vest, yeah. The Helite vest that you can get to deploy... And, you know, another podcaster had an accident and his helmet never hit the ground. So. How's Larry doing, by the way? I got to catch up with him. I don't know. You don't know? All right. I have too many other social media stuff I'm keeping up with these days. So I know. I have a big podcast problem lately. I'm just, work's busy, home's busy. I'm, I'm not even getting through like the one or two shows that I've have on my like must listen to list i just i just can't get to anything anymore it's crazy yep so i mean i think you covered the gear well last very well and that was dear and near to my heart and thanks man i i kind of would say and i know this is one of those things i know you talk about the kevlar pants but i like the riding pants because when you get to places you and you talked about it with your jeans you know i get to a place i can literally take the side and i can zip it up and i have like they flop open so it can let air in well, I think I'm. I think I may be going the chaps route because the more I think about that, I think that's. I think that's what I need. I'll just get a good set of chaps, and then when I get to where I'm going, I just pull them off. All right. Yeah. So I think I've been swayed. Okay. All good, my friend. All right. Do you want to talk a little bit about the store opening real quick, and then we're going to get eight days a week from Colin. Sure. So we have reopened the store. Um, in fact, it was open, I think on January 22nd, we have, we'll be taking orders till March 31st, 2018 screen printing is the plan of doing the shirts. And since we have, it takes time to get that, uh, printed and need bulk orders. Yep. 
we need a two-week turnaround and delivery, so we should have them to everybody by April 30th. So head over to the store, put your orders in. That includes you, Roger. You needed a new green shirt, I heard, so I'm waiting for that order. Yeah. Nice group in the live stream tonight. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Oh, yeah, there is. That's what the store is up for, so. Awesome. All right. Colin, a.k.a. Bronco Ride, give us your eight days a week, my friend. No money. Now, you're familiar with the concept, right? So we'll, we'll recap. We like to have, it's kind of our ultimate garage. You know, it was born out of an idea in the clubhouse. Uh, Sir Mike was the one, I believe, who started that. That is correct. The idea is seven, seven things to ride or drive, and we've expanded that to fly, pilot, you know, shimmy, whatever you, you do. <laughs> seven things to operate and one project. And in, in the last few iterations of this, we've added what we call the birthstone. That would be a motorcycle of your birth year. So you can technically have nine. All right, here I go. <laughs> Let me get my keyboards ready. Don't have the motorcycle of my birth year. That's the only one I don't have off the top of my head. But let me see if I can get all these. Okay, so I am a I'm a truck guy. I mean, I'm not going to start right with motorcycles. I am not a car guy, meaning that because I'm I'm a, I'm a little taller than I'm about six four. I'm not like Shaq and over seven foot. So every time I sit in a car, my knees like shoot you know up my near my chin. So I prefer trucks. I love Toyotas. I've had a Toyota forever, and at just a basic, I want a new 2018 Toyota Tundra. I love those trucks. I have a 2003 now that has almost 280,000 miles on it, mm -hmm. and I absolutely love it, so I'll keep with that. Sorry, your Ford and Chevy guys, but the, I've had nothing but uh, great things to say about Toyota. Um, I am, um, you know, here's what's funny. I like fishing, but I don't eat fish but I enjoy the actual sport of fishing. So I would love to get this big 40 foot fishing boat with two 200 horsepower, like Yamaha out outboard engines. And I don't think they have them down by you, but like you could go out and you can uh, go rockfish. You know, they, they have them, they're big out in the Chesapeake Bay out here during certain times of the year. And I would love to have that in my garage. If you've ever sat on one of these, I did, I, I, I've always liked these bikes. Now, some People think they're abomination, but I actually love this bike. And I said I went at the I went to the uh, motorcycle that International Progressive International, you know, the show they have every year mm -hmm. down in DC. They've got one coming up in February this year. IMS is the yeah, that's it. I couldn't think of it. The Ducati X Diablo S. Oh, oh. oh my god, I love that bike. You need to go yeah. take a test ride on. You should it. ride it. I I haven't rode it yet. I'm planning on doing it this summer. I, I just like the forward controls, the look of it. I, you know, as soon as I saw that, you know, when it came out a a year ago, and then they just updated the color for 18 to white. You know, I was like, that's just a beautiful ride. So I definitely want to get on there and uh, and and uh, take a ride this summer. Send you have you guys it. rode on that yet? I have. You've yeah. been on Virchez. Is it awesome? Crazy. <laughs> just tell me. Just just get me excited already. <laughs> it's kind of what the V-Rod should have been. Oh, that's a beautiful bike. It, well, hand in hand, if you go ride it, you might end up with two bikes in the garage. Yeah, no kidding. That's, I guess like another pool. <laughs> <laughs> Jacuzzi. <laughs> the pool's getting bigger and bigger. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good trade-off. Um, even though it doesn't snow enough out here, but growing up out West, I've, I've always been a big snowmobile fan and they have these, uh, Yamaha sidewinders. You guys seen those? Um, uh, I absolutely love that. So I'd love to have a snowmobile in the garage, even though it snows like maybe 12 inches to 20 inches a year, you can never use it, but I would love it. All right. And I want, and I want to get my quad back. 
I couldn't have it as a child, so I wanted to uh, get a quad eventually, and I would love to get like um, the four tracks, the Honda. Um, I actually, a, f- a friend of mine actually bought one recently and absolutely loves it. Jumps on. I mean, he lives on a, a big farm, so he has a lot of trails where he can tear it up. But it's it's, it's a little pricey. It's like ten grand. But I absolutely love that. Look, looks like great. A KTM four stroke. KTM four. Uh, KTM. Yep, I would. I would like to eventually buy uh, an off road bike. You know, because the Harley really won't do well on that. But I would love to get a, a KTM. And there's where I live. I, I I live out in what they call Amish country. So there's a lot of trails out here you know and it's the country people so it's not like cities so there's a ton of places to go and i would love to eventually have one in my garage now i don't know what number that is I think that, was six. that was six so the um the next thing's not necessarily what i'd ride but I, i'm very much into um I, I love woodworking so when i say that i love making things now i'm not that good at making things but i enjoy making it. it's like i'm a I'm a friend to crown molding. Let's put it that way. So I would like, I like an entire wood shop in my garage. But the biggest thing is they have this thing called the CNC, the wood cutting machine. I don't know if you guys have seen that, where you can program to make anything. And in a computer, it's like that CAD program. And then you can go in and it actually cuts it for you. I mean, it's only like 20 or 30 grand, but still, I mean, it's just like this amazing thing. And then I would like to have a compound miter saw. I'd like to have a drill press. I'd like to have a full vacuum system in the whole entire place. That's my dream for a woodworking garage. And I just go and drool over we're, it. We're going to have to take a vote on that one, John. Does that qualify as ride or drive? I don't know. Woodworking tools mm. would work. It's a stretch. <laughs> well, if you can find me the name of that crazy CNC machine, we'll put that in there. Yeah, it's a C. I think it's called the CNC woodcutting machine. But if you look it up online, you know they have different models. But there's one up to like there's fifty grand, and then these things are amazing. You can make anything you want with it. Signs and is that a Haas Haas product by chance? Uh, no, it's actually I think the company's CNC, if I remember right. I might be wrong on that. I just I've seen them on videos, and I'm just like, oh god, must be rough. But that would be great. So, are you still doing? So we have a project because I can't think of my birth bike. Yeah, think that's an, that's I'm, an optional thing. That's something, and I sprung that on you. I'm a Pisces in February, but the um. So the next one's a project that I got to do that I'm working on. Yeah, something to. Wrench on, tinker on. But it has Customize. to be like automotive. I mean, you have a wood project in mind? We can put that in there. <laughs> I got a wood project. I'm a wood guy. <laughs> I'm a wood be guy. careful. So, careful. There's a lot of jokes in there. Yeah, no kidding. I better, let me look at the chat. Oh, God. Um, so we, um, last year, we, you know, we were pretty lucky because we, uh, we have this trade school by us and we were the guinea pigs of this and like every year they do they build like projects for their school year and so one of the things they did is they actually built a shed and we got in the beginning of the year and said hey we'll take that off your hands so we got it at like an insanely cheap price and they actually brought it so they built this whole entire shed for us they put electrical in it you know it's it's like a 14 by 20 or something and so this year i'm going to actually go in and build a workbench put a refrigerator in there cable I'm going to insulate it, drywall it. So that's my project this year that I'm going to do is turn that into like a man cave and I'll be happy. And I'm going to make a spot for in there for my bike so I can roll the bike right up in there and have my own personal garage. Nice. Leave it to Dangerous Dave with the jokes. <laughs> What's he saying? I got to look at it. Uh, I'll let you read it. Wood. 
<laughs> I knew it was just a matter of time. If we I knew just I wait long say, enough, I'm somebody was going to that. Somebody was going to jump all over that. <laughs> all right. There you and, go. Very nice. Very nice list. And let's see. John, you've done a little wrenching. You want to talk about some of your spider wrenching before we do events and shut it down? I thought there was no other, I thought it was all Harley talk tonight. I'll allow. Since it's wrenching, I'll allow. I'll make an exception. Oh, since I decided to wrench on my bike? Sure. So, uh, before I got rid of my old bike, I decided to get LED lights. And, and, and? Well, I sold the bike before I installed them. So I shipped them back. Nice. <laughs> and I got a replacement set <laughs> for the new one. And they came in today. Sweet. Now, these are full, full replacement units? Uh, no, they're just the bulbs. Just the bulbs. Okay. Is it like an H4 kind of thing? Yeah, or? it's an H4 bulb. Yeah. So the old one was an H7, and the new one's an H4. Got so it. So I uh, took out those, swapped it out, and I was able to, in the owner's manual, it talked about how you had to take a bunch of stuff off to get to the headlights. And then I watched a video about down the side of the spider on the F3, there's two service panels that you can kind of reach your hand in there. Yeah. And get to the bulbs. Yeah, you showed you know, me that. The little little yeah. thing that you unscrew, little round part. And yeah. Yeah. So I was able to take pop that off, get my hand down in there, and change out the uh, bulbs. Well, funny story about changing headlights on the traverse. I don't know if I told you this one, John. Uh-uh. But I was <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to replace the bulbs. So I looked at the headlight assembly and I'm like, oh you must just unscrew it, take it out, and fix it. Because I, I couldn't figure out any way to get behind it. So right. I practically disassembled half the front end of the vehicle. And oh, I boy. decided to go on YouTube. <laughs> oh, boy, was I wrong. So you take out the inner fender, oh. and, and it's right there. You just you take a few screws out. You just fold the plastic in over the wheel a little bit, and you can just reach in and change the bulb. I had disassembled, like, half the front end of this thing. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, you learn how to take a front end of the traverse apart. Yeah. Then I learned the easy way now, and I've... Let's see, what are we at? 100, 125,000 miles or so. So I've done the bulbs two or three times. I've done the driver's side like three times and the passenger side once, which is kind of weird. Why don't you change your LEDs? Nah. It's not, I, don't, I hate that thing. Come on. I'm not spending any money on that thing. Just keep it going down the road. That's it. Uh, uh. So, 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 Colin, talking about your Toyota, which, which Toyota do you have? I have a 2003 uh, Tundra right now, but I won an eight, and I love it. So, so a friend I work with talking about this, and we're getting off topic, talking about car stuff. So he has a Tacoma, and I don't know what year it is. And end of last year, they had a recall about the the frame rusting. Mm-hmm. So he went and took it to the dealership, and they said, yep, come back in three months, and we'll look at it. So he went back, and sure enough, it's rusting out, so they're like, okay, we're going to replace your frame. So they actually got all the parts in to replace the frame. The whole frame. The whole frame. So you had to take everything off the frame. Well, there was a recall a couple of years ago. They just took the vehicles. Yeah, well, yeah. So they weren't doing that. So they ordered all this stuff, and then he upgraded. I think he paid for some upgrades to the shocks and maybe a few other things and changed the exhaust on it. And only thing he just had to pay for parts and didn't have to pay for the labor on it because they had to put it all back together anyway. So he's just there's new parts and wow. got to put it back together. That's wow. a lot of work. 
So they actually did it, and I was surprised. I think they had it done in less than a week. And I said, how much did it cost? And he says he, the bill they were shipping or giving to Toyota was $12,000. And he all, he paid, all he paid was just some extra parts. Yep. He's wow. got and, a new truck. He's pretty much got a hole in frame underneath. He, he got that new exhaust. And I even think they replaced all the brake lines as part of the power of the frame replacement as they were okay. doing. I need to find this. I need to find this Toyota dealer. <laughs> well, no, it's a T- no, it's a TSB. So yeah. go look at the TSB if you. There's a technical service bulletin about it. The frame, or whatever your. Yeah, Toyota yeah, thing. I haven't seen anything on like rust wise. I just had a recall. They had the airbags, but it's the same airbag issue that that company made. That, right. And that company. was it. Yep. So, yeah. So hey, Rich. Before we continue on. Mm-hmm. There was a good race this past weekend. There how'd was. Your team do? There was. How, how'd your team do? Uh, good. All, well, most of the teams did well. So the Rolex 24 at Daytona ended this weekend. And I think I watched, of the 24 hours of racing, I probably watched, no kidding, about 16 hours of it. I was glued to it this weekend. <laughs> well, Barry, you got more than I got because I got zero. Yeah. So Cadillac won the prototype class. Um. My Corvettes finished right behind the Ford GTs, which doesn't really matter because the new Corvette ZL1 uh, broke the record of the Ford GT production car at VIR. So that was pretty cool. And there was a strange penalty with one of the GTD Audis. So they were like two laps up on the whole field. And then they went ahead and gave them like a five-minute penalty in the pits and or what i haven't looked at all the details but something about the way they were fueling the car like they felt that the car was being fueled faster than it should be and the team was kind of arguing saying hey well and so you gave us the parts for the fueling system so we're just using what you gave us and they're like yeah no something's changed because you're fueling the car way too fast so i didn't see the final outcome but they held them for five minutes they lost their two lap lead and I don't think they ended up winning the class either after that. But I mean, racing had gone on for like 12 hours or something. I mean, they've been racing for a long time and they're like, yeah, you're going to get a five minute penalty. It's like, okay. Thanks NASCAR. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, I love that. Right. But it was fun. It was a good race. The, you know, I think the, the GTLM class, it's going to be a good battle this year. Um, between Corvette and the Fords. But I think the GTD class is going to be the one to watch. They're all pretty evenly matched. And at one point in the race, there were five or six GT Daytona class cars. And this is on the international stage. These would be GT3 spec cars. Um, But in the IMSA WeatherTech series, they call them GTD. But there were five or six of them running together for probably a half dozen laps or more. They just all ran in like a group. It was just neat to see how tight they were. That's it. Poor Colin. Poor Colin. Enough racing. He's not a car guy, so we'll move on. You guys talk away. <laughs> I'm still reading the wood comments. <laughs> That's what I was saying. I mean, they're, they're giving you some slack there, buddy. Yeah, they are. <laughs> it's okay, right? Totally you, you, cool. you can get them on YouTube. Well, no. I couldn't say you can get, get them, them back on YouTube. on YouTube. Some of them. <laughs> oh, like bacon. 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 <laughs> Johnny John, John you, you want to cover the events and then we'll get into some yeah, events. 
We'll take sure. our wood into the downshift. Sure. So here in less than 17 days, all 17 days from now, if the plan goes as well, I'll be in Florida, which is just a little bit south of Homestead, on the Motomino Key West Florida trip. And I would have completed a Satosaur 1000. Nice. Bad boy. That's my plan. That's a good goal. That's a go getter right there. Out of the gate of the season, hitting a big one. Let me let me help you with the next one. All right, you go for the next one. Congregation. Really? Oh yeah. Hey, we're doing a second annual congregation show, April fourteenth, two to eight. You need to talk to that guy too. In Charlotte. Yep, in Charlotte. Yep. And then we're having the first annual Law Pipes meetup, July thirteenth through fourteenth. Mm-hmm. We have nailed down some of the details. We think it's going to be in Gaysburg, PA. Yes, sir. And we're going to hit up the Gaysburg Bike Week on Friday, do a little group ride on Saturday, and head home on Sunday. That's that is our plan. That was in July. Yeah, that's why I can't make the other one. <laughs> I actually might be able to hit that on the way back. Yeah, you can, if you it's can in Gettysburg. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, I will most likely be in PA for a few more days after that. So if you're around, if you miss that and you're around, let me know. I will. Go ahead, John. And, and then we got the second annual uh, Mono Amino East Coast Meetup, July 9th. June 9th. Yes. Wow. I didn't even move those dates around there, buddy. Yeah, uh, we've got June to put 9th. that one in front of the other one because it's out of order. Yeah, I know. In Wake Forest at Capitals, Capital Power Sports, and that's where KP Moto works. So be a good time. We're lining up some stuff. We're working on getting a food truck out there. And what else are we planning on trying to do? Uh, there'll probably be a little group ride. And uh, yeah, good time. Okay. For all that. I'm going to try my right. darndest to make that one. It's on the calendar. Yeah, you should. It'll be, it's a one day event. Okay, next. Uh, we got the third annual Motorcycle Podcast Challenge, June 21st through July 11th. And the rules need to be reviewed. Made a couple changes, waiting for a couple more people to review, and then we'll get that posted and all set up. Um, yep, cool. All right, moving on. The next event is the 14th annual Vintage Festival. And where's that? We, you know where it's at. <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't say it. So, all right, and that's October 5th through the 7th. And at and uh, the plan is is that's also the, I guess as you call it session two of the Loud Pipes meetup. And uh, Roger's going to be coming from Oregon is currently the plan, and then him and I are planning on heading to Vegas for AIM. Wow, have fun on that ride. <laughs> All right, what? thanks, oh, thanks, Sonny John. See, see, see all the love I get. I don't I don't have time to make that kind of ride that's for sure like I said maybe I fly out to Vegas to meet you there alright you come on out okay I'm actually, I'm actually going to Vegas this year for a wedding first time I've been there like 10 years it's gonna have a big party John yeah when are you going second week in June oh <laughs> okay alright well thank you fellas thanks John thanks Colin appreciate it I would like to again thank the Riders of Loud Pipes for their continued support. 
And if you feel the show is providing some value to you, then head on over to loudpipes.net slash donate. We do this show Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern as often as we can. Join us at loudpipes.net slash live. There's also a chat component there where you can interact with us and other riders during the show. Got a nice group in there tonight. And again, want to thank the guys for hanging out with us. And follow us on that Mixler app and you can be notified as soon as the show goes live, especially when it's not on Thursdays. If you can't support the show monetarily, we understand. We just ask that you head over to iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, wherever you get your podcasts from. Leave us a star rating or review. It does help to grow the show a little bit and put some fuel in our tank as well. Additional information from this episode, including links and images, can be found on our website, loudpipes.net slash 116. And here you'll find, stalling for the button, <laughs> links to leave us feedback, subscribe to the show, and follow us on social media. All right, Johnny John, it's you and me, buddy. Kickstand oh, up. we got Colin, too. Well, I'll get in there. Kickstand up. <laughs> yeah, buddy, let's go. All right, Colin, thanks for joining us. You can close it down for us. I have had an absolute blast with you guys tonight. It's been fun talking about it. Thank you guys for having me very much. You're welcome. Take care. Thank you for listening. Please consider supporting the show. We offer generous rewards for your contribution. Find more details at loudpipes.net forward slash donate.